This is like if the Keebler elves started reading Marx, you know? Yeah. And, like, I love that they're like, an injury to one is an injury to all. <laughs> Whose tree? Our tree. Whose tree? Our tree. Our tree. <laughs> Fudge stripes are racist. I never wanted to say anything. <laughs> Welcome to the Bituation Room Podcast Live. Yes, it's our first super spreader event. I'm so, so excited. You guys excited? Yeah. Um, we didn't mic the audience, uh, so apparently all the little piggies watching on YouTube uh, and Twitch can't hear you laugh. So just be very loud right now. Thumb your, so say something like creepy, like we're here. One, two, three. So creepy, so amazing. I love it. Um, you guys, uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, give it up for the Abbey, everybody, this beautiful space. Yeah. We, we are st we're streaming, we're doing it. Uh, I am your host. I am your wolf klitzer, as they say. Uh, this is the Bituation Room, and I'm going to be joined for the hour by my co-host. You have heard him on Pod Yourself a Gun, the only Sopranos podcast. You've seen him on Good Mythical Morning. You've seen him on Newsbroke. Please put your hands together for Mr. Matt Lieb. Keep, Keep it, going. it going. This is very awkward. We got to sanitize all the mics, y'all. What's up, everyone? Whoa. Oh, is that, am I too loud? Am I, am I too boomy? You're coming on strong, babe. Coming on too strong? <laughs> That's my thing. <laughs> That's what I'm about. Uh, thank you guys so much uh, for coming here to the Alberta Abbey. Yeah. You guys, this is amazing. They did it. They did it. First time out the house, last time. Yeah. Is that mic working? I don't know. Make some noise. Hi. Yeah, did you guys hear, did you guys, guys hear we that? We were here for four hours tech testing this entire thing so that uh, all the people online could watch, but, like, you guys are the only ones that matter. Yeah, you guys. So that's because you actually, you risked your lives for this podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. But let's start off with uh, what we always start off with, uh, which is, you know, just a little bitch sesh, you guys. This is What Are You Bitching About? Matt Lee, what are you bitching about today? I'll tell you what I'm bitching about. Um, today, I'm bitching about uh, all the people online who uh, are scolding me when I laugh at a COVID denier who has a radio show dying. Uh, yeah. Uh, people are really, they're like, he has a family. Listen, five of them died. Oh, they're, the family's happy he's gone. Definitely. There's no way the family's not like, yes! I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. And and I, my favorite is the family's also like, oh, but he also told us to get vaccinated. Everyone should get vaccinated. And you're like, no, he didn't. No. Like, this motherfucker was a motherfucker till the end. Like, yeah. there's no way. Like, on your deathbed, you're going to be like, everything I said was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they will no, literally like, die wrong. Yeah, That's their like, whole thing. Sell my merch when I'm dead. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's but 
I think what annoys me about it is the fact that it's like, okay, so I'm not talking about laughing at COVID deniers who nobody knows. You know, that's sure. that's one thing. But these guys, they go on their AM radio shows or that Newsmax guy or like all these like people who have a platform and their whole thing is like, COVID's not real. Don't buy into the, don't be a sheep. And then they die of COVID. That's scientifically funny. Like that's funny <laughs> on an objective level. Like that is, that's so, it's almost too on the nose. Like literally, like it happened to five people in the last two weeks. After the fourth one, I was like, damn, this isn't, this isn't even funny anymore. This is tragic. And then the fifth one died. I was like, oh, it's funny again. It's funny. <laughs> It no, got back. I, it got back. I, I really I really want Dr. Fauci to go on CNN and be like, Jake, that is objectively funny. Yeah, okay? exactly. Uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to say, but that is uh, funny. I've been talking about the science. That is clinically funny. Yeah. Yeah. What are you bitching about? Oh, me? Uh, I'm bitching about, okay, so the war on terror is over, maybe? Mm, dubious. When when is airport security gonna let me bring more than four ounces of toiletries? Yes. On the plane again. This is what I'm bitching about. Do you guys realize there are children who were born in the year 2001 who've never known what it is to bring a full size shampoo bottle? Yes. On an airplane. Yeah. And that that's just so sad. It's sad to live in a world without that. Yeah. I am one of those. Uh, I'm one of those cantankerous travelers who refuses to go through uh, the hands up machine. Yeah, yeah. She's the one who goes opt out. Like I, I'm the like, I'm the one who's like, feel me up now. Like, just, I seriously make I, me come. She says to, that to them. Do it. It's very weird. I dare you. I dare you. With the back of your hand. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it with the back. No. <laughs> No, impossible I, I don't like putting you know i think the, the guy who invented or the family who got rich off of those body scanners like a family friend of the bushes yeah like, when is that gonna be over should be over yeah i'm a pre-check gal which mm -hmm. means they have like all my fingerprints and they, they're watching right now hey hi <laughs> cia tsa thank you <laughs> uh so i'm bitching about that it's just like can we just get back to normal toiletries yeah. and not go through the fucking body scanner? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree with you on that. My thing is I do the body scanner. Uh, and Well, I like to do it because there's always something weird in my pockets <laughs> that I forgot to take out like last time when we, get, we were on our way here. Um, I was like, oh, shoot, there's still some gum in my pockets. And they were like, oh, that's fine. Just uh, go ahead and take it out and put it in your hand. Um, what they didn't know is I like to take gum. I like oh, I unwrap thing. it and then I go raw dog into a pocket. Like basically, I have loose gum in my pockets. Why? Sometimes they'll take it out and be like, "You want some gum?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. It's a way. No. I found that it's the only way to get people not to eat my gum. As I go, oh, you want some gum? I have some in loose in a sock have some of my sock gum and they're like oh never mind and I'm, i have fresh breath all the time amazing um audience uh in one word or less uh, on the count of three since we love to do this since you guys are already good at it uh, what are you bitching about three two one oil texas is what i heard uh, i heard someone say i thought i heard someone say boys which <laughs> <laughs> which i'm like yes i know <laughs> We are the worst. <laughs> There's just like a bunch of 12 year olds in here. <laughs> yeah. Boys. Yeah. <laughs> Someone just like, Kevin. Just Kevin. <laughs> like, 
Yo, Kevin, fucked up. We don't know um, who Kevin is, but... We have a great show. We've got two amazing guests, but first we're going to get into what's been going on in the week, uh, but later we're going to get into, you know, white nationalism, Nazis, and, you know, how to... Fun stuff. How to, yeah, bring... <laughs> All the fun stuff for Portland. Yes. Uh, you guys are yeah. leading the way on this. <laughs> I'm just a tourist. For yeah. And it's real fun so far. We're uh, just here to take pictures of Antifa fighting the Proud Boys. Where? I want to I wanna be in for my Instagram. Yeah, yeah. We got the Frantifa rolling deep tonight, baby. It's uh, We're anti-fascist, but we believe in fart jokes. It's very important. Yes. Um, all right, you guys. A lot of things happened. This was the week where uh, flash floods turned New York into a water park for rats. Uh, people started taking Brazilian viper venom to cure COVID, which is the closest we've gotten to snake oil thus far. Uh, Biden's <laughs> approval rating hit an all-time low with CIA agents. Um, and Joe Rogan tested positive for COVID-19 and started taking... We did it! <laughs> uh, he started taking ivermectin. <laughs> yeah! um, which, if you guys don't know, is that like anti-parasitic for horses. Um, and to be fair, Rogan does have many parasites. They're all the mediocre... You know, all the mediocre white comics that he made famous, you know, those are all his parasites. All right. That's an inside baseball joke. For everything else, this is The Week Where. Hell yeah. Uh. This was The Week Where. Striking workers at Nabisco factories across the country called for a boycott of the company's snack products until they receive health, safety, and retirement benefits that they are owed. Yeah. Okay. I get it. It's valiant, you know, but like it's very difficult to boycott those delicious snacks unless that snack is Nilla wafers, um, which I've been boycotting since I tasted a Nilla wafer. Yeah. Uh, Nilla wafers taste like if Caucasian were a flavor, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're just like, I don't, there's not doing nothing for me. Um, Why is my mouth dry? Like, that's what it's like. <laughs> uh, this, of course, is on the back of the Frito-Lay strike, which means that the only, yeah, the only yeah. safe snack food uh, to eat is the rich. And remember that. Yeah. Only. You just, you got to wash them down. They're also very dry. Um, but let's hear, let's hear from uh, some workers in a factory in Virginia. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, Richmond, Virginia, about what it's like to work in a business. We had a woman that fall off of her chair recently and broke her ankle. We didn't have a nurse here. The supervisor wouldn't take her off of the line. We're treated like animals. They made the most money they've ever made last year during the pandemic, but yet they don't want to give us what we're asking for. It's like, go ahead, kick me again when I'm down. You just proved to me you're right. I'm just a number to you. They have introduced what they call AWS, Alternative Work Schedule. So what they've done is actually changed the work shift from eight hours to 12 hours. Now, after eight hours, we get paid overtime for anything over eight. Now we're working 12 hours, and they're paying us a straight time. 
The minimum lifting is 50 pounds here. We don't even have water fountains throughout the facility. This is a bakery. It can get to like 110 degrees in some areas. I mean, piping, smoking hot. In 2016, they took our pension and gave us a 401k that's like paying pennies on the dollars. With the 401k, whatever I have when I retire, that's what I have. When I run out, I run out. The pension, long as I'm living, I have something I can take care of my family. And that's why we worked for this place before they came. That's why one of the selling points for a person to come and make their career as a laborer here was the pension. To work for a company for 27 years, and they tell you, hey, we're gonna take your pension. For 27 years, I've planned to retire. I can't retire. And then the money that they're putting into the 401, at 59 and a half, I still may not be able to retire financially. 29 billion in profits, and you shut two plants. They're wondering who's next. We lost cheese nips last year. It's different products that we've had here, and we're losing it, and they're going to Mexico. You can't even talk about Mexico. You know, I'm hearing that they make something like 96 cents an hour or 97 cents an hour. So we, we, it's hard for us to compete against them. In 2020 and during the pandemic, we were considered essential personnel. We've worked through COVID-19, day in, day out, 16 hours a day. We hung in there. I worked every day during the pandemic. I did. We are here to work. The company doesn't allow us to give the best of our ability. Mm. Fuck cheese nips. <laughs> I don't even like you anyway. The worst <laughs> The worst cheese the worst product. Nip. Yeah. In the worst nip. Yeah, the worst since. Yeah. Like, right? If you're gonna that's, uh, lose a nip, yeah, we're talking make about it the cheese one. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck cheese nips. That's the point, <laughs> you guys. Um, no, obviously, these are people who like helped us during the entire pandemic. Like all of our stress eating. Yes. Like the stacks of Oreos we just like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like <laughs> they were there helping us so we actually have to fight for them and the their struggle that this strike started in portland yeah uh, hell yeah that's all y'all um obviously okay bad joke time uh the company mondelez has made record profits in the pandemic uh they're being a real union nutter busters about it um they've responded there's gonna be a few of them so just strap in folks <laughs> they've responded they responded by replacing employees with temporary workers or scabs ahoy. Scabs ahoy! Come on, have some fun. Now they're not making Ritz crackers; they're making rats crackers. You know, and oh, but okay. So the strike began here in Northeast Portland on August 10th, and since then, uh, the bakeries have been escalating their tactics. So this is my favorite. This is from uh, the Willamette Weekly. Perhaps most notably, Nabisco bakers have halted rail delivery of ingredients to the Portland bakery. Nice. Uh, strikers say the supplies carried via rail include flour, sugar, and oil. Willamette Weekly couldn't independently confirm that, but there's some specifics that make it feel like it's very real. On August 23rd, baker Linda Lasher and a co-worker named Julie stood on the railroad tracks that run under MLK Jr. Boulevard overpass to stop a Pacific Union supply train headed for the Nabisco facility. The train engineer, a union member, reversed course. Yeah! Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, a Union Pacific spokesperson tells Willamette Weekly that it's not currently serving the facility because of the strike, which is amazing. 
Hell yeah. I um, love that they stopped a train. What was that? Willamette, thank you. Wait, how do you pronounce Willamette. it? Willamette. Willamette. How did she pronounce Willamette. it? Willamette. Willamette. Who gives a shit? I don't know the names of places. I, fuck it. <laughs> That'd be weird if I just turned the end. The tomatoes come out. Willamette is the best. Willam. Uh, Wait, did I do it wrong again? No, Willamette. Right. Yeah. Um, this is like when I went to Vienna. Yeah. And I kept on seeing like Wien everywhere. And I was like, what's Wien mean? And they were like, it's Vienna in Austria. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah. tight, tight, tight. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Yes. Um, this is exactly like Vienna. I go place. <laughs> Reminds me of when I was in Vienna. Yes. And I was also a dumb American. Uh, thank you. The Willamette Week continued. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so this is great. This is an, a worker named Eddie uh, Mayago Mayagosha, I think his last name is. Uh, on a Saturday afternoon, the station is manned by Eddie Mayagosha. And another man, Mayagosha's shift, is usually from 3 to 11 a.m. He met his wife while running the ovens in the bake, in, that bake Oreos and chicken in a biscuit, uh, which I've never heard of. I don't know chicken in a biscuit, but it... Is it? Are we are we turning the crowd? No, I yeah. I think they're like you're you're pronouncing Willamette wrong. You never had chicken in a fucking biscuit. Why am I here? Get out of here! Someone it, just brought a bunch. Well, fuck you! And walks out. <laughs> he wanted him signed. <laughs> um, okay, so chicken in a, the very delicious chicken. We in love a chicken in a biscuit. Uh, Fantastic snack food. <laughs> very good. Best snack food. Biscuits. It's got everything, chicken, biscuits, um, in a... <laughs> he stopped. He and his wife, Trey, I don't even want to read this anymore. <laughs> um, okay, the, the best part is that he says, I haven't seen any trucks come out with products. If they had, we would have, if they had been baking cookies, we would have smelled them. Which I love. Yeah. That is like the yeah. most militant and adorable strike ever. Yeah. Like, if I, if I smell one fucking cookie, I'm burning this motherfucker down. Yeah. This this is like if the Keebler elves started reading Marx, you know? Yeah. And, and I love that they're like, an injury to one is an injury to all. <laughs> <laughs> Whose tree? Our tree. Whose tree? Our tree. Fudge <laughs> stripes are racist. I never wanted to say anything. <laughs> but they are. Like, I love it. Uh, so shout out to the Nabisco workers and all the organizers. Yes. Uh, hell yeah. Moving along, this was the week where, uh, in other news, less exciting news, this was the week where a Texas law went into effect that bans abortions. Oh! Boo! You're not mic'd, you guys. Uh, so boo louder is what she said. As soon as as soon as a heartbeat is detected, which can be as early as six weeks into a pregnancy, before most people know that they're pregnant, and before most get a call back from the zygote zaddy, um, mm. the law basically deputizes any private citizen to sue for like ten thousand dollars anyone who aids or abets an abortion, uh, like a provider. Or an, an Uber, Uber driver. driver, yeah. Um, but I want to know, like, can we sue the dude for having a weak pullout game? You know? Yeah. 
That's true. Is that possible? Can we sue White Claw for making the dude seem like he was chill? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, Can we sue the DJ for doing fucking great music that night? Like Endless Love playing before a comedy show. That was my favorite. <laughs> wait, wait. I've already been trolled on Instagram over this. Yeah. Uh, they were like, why is Francesca's intro music the same that my mom plays in the car? Uh, <laughs> but but shout out to Beck, the technical director. Yeah, give it up for Beck, for, who has been crushing it. Been crushing it. Endless Love was a little slow. I'm not going to lie. It was, was, it was my favorite choice. I was, was like, yeah. I hope everyone fucks during this song. Any... <laughs> Uh, the law is obviously unconstitutional. It tramples Roe v. Wade, uh, which does say that abortion is legal and no state should legislate against it before 24 weeks of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Remember that part? The law wasn't blocked by the Supreme Court because, of course, Trump appointed three anti-choice justices to it. And mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're working out. They're really working out. They're doing their job. In this country. Um, so the Supreme Court declined just before midnight on Wednesday to block the law prohibiting abortion after cardiac activity is detected, usually about six weeks of pregnancy. Now the measure, which was signed into law in May, will run its course in the lower courts, and its unique legal structure will mean that it's likely to remain in effect for the duration of the legal battle, which is great. Uh, wonder, yay. Um, and, of course, uh, Governor, Governor Greg Abbott. Um, you got to go back to the, to the camera. Yes. He does. He, for those of you listening at home, uh, she said she ha- he has a small dick, yes. is what, um, just that in case small... that didn't get picked up. As I used to say, yeah. the trumpet I used to do was like, it's like a half sneeze, you have a dick, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. you know those little like, I hate those. Um, he's got a, who's got a small dick. Uh, also scientific fact, Uh, he tweeted about the heartbeat bill, uh, very excited, saying Texas will always defend the right to life and protect the unborn. Um, And then 20 hours later, tweeted about a new law, uh, which says that Texas, Texans who own guns are now allowed to carry them in public, no license or training required, Uh, which- Cool! Cool, which is- Obviously, it's clear what he's trying to do here. Uh, he believes that the best way to defend life is to arm fetuses. And yes. That's what I agree. I, if life begins at conception, let's do it. Okay, give every fetus a gun. Yeah. Just a little little baby, cute little nine. Yeah, they can know. hold it in their slippery little fins. Yeah, they can hold it in their webby little hands. Yeah. And if, if they can't hold it, then just give it to the person carrying that fetus. Yeah. Uh, and look, if a life is a life, but it can't, like, shoot its way out of the womb, like... Is it really living? Really living, Is yeah. it really living if it can't bust out of that womb just, with a gun? <laughs> this is dark. This is... Well, there's no... There's no good way to do these things. Sometimes the news is dark, and we have to just live with it. You know, it is strange that people, like, pro-anti-choicers think that life begins at conception, because I, I obviously don't. Yeah. I don't even think life begins at birth. No, yeah. Like, life doesn't begin until you're 25. You yeah, know? yeah. And, like, yeah. you know, you can fall in love and get your heart broken and, like, rent a car, you know, yeah. and then cry about it in the car that you rented. <laughs> Very specific. Live your life. I don't know. What do you do? Cross state lines. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I I feel like for me, they can 
circumvent this law um, by, like, you can do an abortion if you just claim uh, you were standing your ground against the fetus. You know what I mean? Do stand your ground laws apply to little tiny fishies inside your womb? That's what I want to like, know. What if the fetus with the gun was threatening the mom? Right, exactly, exactly. Then you're standing your ground. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look. <laughs> Excuse I'm me, sir. You are not allowed on the premises. And the. All right, I'm sorry. That was. A, I probably shouldn't do an impression of an abortion. Oh boy. Yo, For those of you at home, the crowd is loving that. Loving they are that. loving so that bit. They're into it. But I think people need to be proud of their abortions. I think people need to own, I mean, to be openly like embrace them, proud of them. They need to be safe and accessible. Obviously, I actually am the product of an abortion. I swear to God, a lot of people are like, what if your mom had aborted? I was like, she did. She aborted uh, the married dude whose kid she got pregnant with yeah. uh, before me because that dude was never going to leave his wife. So yay, abortion. Yeah. And then she had me. It's great. Yeah. It wasn't a kid. That kid would have sucked, all right? I would have been a shitty kid. Yeah, it was, it was a bad relationship. Yeah. It was, so it was a good you thing. You knew it was going to be shitty. And then there was me. See, there and there wouldn't have been the habituation room. But the point is, is that she had foresight. Yes. Exactly. Hi, Mom. I think she's watching live. Yeah. People are always yeah, like, <laughs> what if Jesus had been aborted? And I'm like, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm a Jew. I could say that. Abort. Abort Jesus. Abort Jesus. No, I don't think it's really how you get rid of Jesus. I think it's how Jesus got in in the first place. How did he get in? People yeah. don't know. I think if of any babies that should have been aborted, Jesus should have been one of them. Because it's like, yeah. how the hell did it happen? Yeah. God just was like, pew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mary should have been like, not today, God. <laughs> oh, let's keep doing abortion jokes. Let's keep doing abortion jokes. Let's never stop. No. Everyone loves it. All right, you guys. Uh, we got to move on to our main topic. We are here in Portland. Portland has been uh, ground zero for a lot of rid ridiculousness and also amazing, inspiring movements when it comes to Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. when it comes to actually uh, leading the way. Um, and, you know, and it's become a little bit of a playground for Proud Boys. Let's be real. I mean, uh, somehow... They saw it was it's really the climate that did it. Uh, it's beautiful climate, just the, you know, crisp 70s mm -hmm. and the beautiful leafy the foliage. The, it's the foliage that yeah. attracted them here. And uh, also the history of Oregon as a territory, as a, <laughs> as a white part nationalist. of it, part of it <laughs> uh, state. But anyway, we're getting into all that. This is the sitch. And joining us, he is a longtime journalist focused on the Northwest, music and politics and hip-hop culture for outlets such as the Oregonian, Portland Mer Mercury, Vortex Music Magazine, and his own vehicle, We Out Here Magazine. Over the last 18 months, he's been targeted, arrested, and assaulted by a variety of law enforcement agencies while documenting protests in the Portland metro area, and his involvement has been covered by international media. Please welcome Mr. Max Smith. Max Smith! How you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. 
Thanks for being here. No doubt. It's cool to see people in the crowd that I already know. That's dope. <laughs> nice. You can see them with the masks on. That's amazing. We do eyes out here. Oh, yeah. You're just making eye contact. That's important. All right. Well, I'm also going to bring in for the rest of our discussion. Uh, he is a nationally recognized expert on the relationship between authoritarian movements, hate violence, and preserving inclusive democracy. In his 30-plus year civil rights career, he has worked with community groups, government and business leaders, human rights advocates, and philanthropy as an organizer, director, program officer, consultant, and board member, the recipient of the Peabody Facebook Futures Media Award. He's widely quoted, writings and speeches are credited with key narrative shifts. He currently serves as the executive director of Western State Center, senior fellow with the Southern Poverty Law Center, and race forward and co-chair of the Proteus Fund. Please welcome Mr. Eric Ward. Eric Ward! Yeah! Yeah! Good to see you, buddy. It's good to be seen. Yeah. Thanks for being here, both of you. Um, we start off the show with all of our guests asking them the same question, which is, what are you bitching about now? Uh, please don't say the lack of Oreos or, like, we've bludgeoned cheese nips at this point. We've yeah. really, we really threw nips under the bus. And I think we may have done too many abortion jokes. Yeah, don't make it about abortion. I mean, you can, but I'll let you know, the audience, they're going to turn. <laughs> they're going to turn. Except over here. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are cool. Well, lamb it. Uh, <laughs> Mac, what are you bitching about? I mean, I think I'm bitching about the same thing I'm always bitching about. You know, we still have the same mayor, so. Yeah. That's my thing. That's my thing. As Mr. Wheeler? Yeah, it's Tevis. We call him Tevis. Tevis? Yeah, Tevis. That's his name. Okay. His, his name is name. Tevis? His name is Tevis. It's, 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 it's Edward Tevis Wheeler. Now, that's his full name? So Ted's not his name at all. Tevis. It's like a it's like a combination of his first and his Latin, and his middle name. Tevis is not it's like Tevas, but like the plural. Like it's like Tevo, but like you never come back to it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the fact that he's still around. Yeah. Damn. Um, and there's a recall effort that isn't led by Republicans for him. There is. Nice. There is. I wish that we could get more Republicans to actually sign it. That would uh, be kind of cool. Yeah. But I don't think it's gonna happen because. They should have trucks and call us Tifas. Well, we've got a re we've got a recall in California that if you're watching it from California, fucking vote no, please. Um, but uh, but that's only because the alternative is like Larry Elder, and there is no like progressive. Yeah. Is there like a progressive alternative for mayor that you guys have that the left in Portland has decided upon collectively? Definitely not. But the cool thing about <laughs> the Portland laws, right, is that you don't actually have to have one. So that's the whole point is is there is no like election immediately, so it's uh there's it's no mayor for a second. Yeah. Lieutenant mayor. I just want it to be no mayor for a minute. Oh, okay. Like, no ooh, ma no mayor. mayor. Just a mayorless town. I love that. We went to uh we went to Idlewild uh in California for like a little <laughs> vacation. And the mayor small, crappy town. is a small mountain town. The mayor was a dog. And I was like, this is how it should be. All yeah. over America. The mayor was a, a beautiful dog. It was an adorable golden retriever. Yeah. You can make and office hours with it to pet a little snout. And I was just like, this just is a paw print. A dog mayor. We could do it. <laughs> uh, Eric, what are you bitching what about What are you today? bitching about? You know what? I'm not bitching about this right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I am bitching about Joe Rogan. 
right now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now I want to be careful. Joe, look, look. uh, He's watching for sure. Don't make me goat eyes or anything like that. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, is like, here's a man who got COVID. Yeah. Right? And uh, uh, took a lot of things at the same time, hitting to people not to take anything. Right. Right? So I'm not going to unpack it, but I'm bitching about it right now. Yeah. And uh, uh, I don't want to say Joe Rogan's name too many times because I feel like it's like Bloody oh, yeah, Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, yeah. say it three times and he appears. Yeah, yeah. it's but, like Candyman, um, yeah. Uh, but I've been bitching about him all yeah. day. Yeah, Joe, call me. We can hang. But uh, yeah, first of all, if you ever hear this podcast, definitely have us on. Uh, you know, for sure, Joe Rogan, hell yeah. This is where Matt and I differ. Matt's like, yeah, but maybe one. No, no, no. I would never sell out. But if he's watching, like, hit it up. <laughs> but no, uh, the funny thing I think about Joe Rogan, because it also like pissed me off too. And mostly because like, wasn't his whole thing like, I'm a big, strong guy. I don't need to worry about COVID. I'm young and strong. And then what happened as soon as he got it? He got sick. He had to cancel his show. He had to cancel his shows, and he was like, I'm on 7,000 different medications That's right. that I bought with my Spotify money. <laughs> you know? Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Get back. No, but, and also, like, what's, what's fucked up about it is that, like, secretly I'm like, yeah, but I hope he learns his lesson so he can actually talk about it publicly to his giant audience, which is such a horrible way to feel that I'm like, still rooting for him to come and see the light because we can't afford for him not to. Like, I had to break up with my hairdresser over that shit. She listened to Rogan, but she's one of those, like, vegan, like, everything, you know, must be clean, like, hairspray. Yeah, but if you listen to Rogan, we don't know what's in the vaccine. You know? Anyway, uh, so I I don't know. I don't know if he's going to come around. We'll see. Yeah, we will uh, see. All right, well, let's let's get into everything that's been going on lately and in this past year. Mac, you, you know, you were in the literal crosshairs of federal agents and police officers that were deployed here in some Pinochet-style, you know, totalitarian, d- disappearing organizers in unmarked rental cars last summer. Um there was also an extrajudicial killing of Michael Reinhold, yeah. um, who killed a member of Patriot Prayer, uh, which we still somehow don't talk about. Um, there, you know, there was this glimpse of like, if Trump continues to be president, also, you know, this will this will only get worse. And Portland was in the national Fox was talking about it every single night, right? Um, this is a huge question, but what was it like to be in this city at that time as things got so politicized, and you personally? Yeah, I think it was like a level of of being of like a, a feeling the unreal, you know, like everything that people like worry about was just like actually happening, and we're like, oh, it's it's actually happening. It's actually the government here to like beat us up because we're holding signs, yeah. you know. So it was like a real thing. Like it was like I, I bet you, you know, if you break windows, the cops are gonna get mad, but they're not gonna. Oh no, they're gonna shoot us with munitions and stuff. Yeah, that's, that's gonna actually happen. We're actually get, uh, gonna get like gassed out here. Yeah. That's gonna happen. You know, people are like, well, it's the feds, not the, you know, it's, it's, it's not the city. And the feds left in the city just, just kept on gassing us. And we're like, oh, it's totally the same shit. So like for us, it was, it, it, was a, it was a validation. And I think for a lot of people, that level of validation about that, it validated a lot of other th- things that they had suspected. Yes. True or untrue. It's gonna, it's going, you know, if, if you're dealing with that kind of trauma, especially 
if you have like an addiction to it. Like a lot, of, I, I think a lot of us, like, you know, I have a couple of gas me Teddy stickers, you know, I, I still stick them <laughs> on stuff, right? You feel me? It's like, it was kind of addiction. Like, like we were like, man, I haven't been gassed in a week, bro. What's going on? We gotta get it, we gotta, we gotta, get, we gotta go harder. You know, like, it was a real thing, you know? So yeah. it's like, the adrenaline. In, in that mindset, yeah, and, and, then the, and then the loss of adrenaline, you know, and then like taking a shower and like you, you know, like wash your hair and you get gas in your shower by accident because you didn't know. That like now it activates again. You Come, want yeah, your gas back. No, like, I, like, oh, no, like I actually got like gas in my in the shower because oh I was I was washing my hair. I have a lot of hair, and I was washing my hair, and um, in a, in the hot water, it activates like the oh, like the damn. tear gas. So I hadn't washed my hair in, like a week because I'm black. We don't wash our hair every day, and um, <laughs> yeah, so I washed my hair at the end of the week, and I'm just like, I literally like almost like we, passed out of my shower. Like I was in the ground oh. in my shower because like, <laughs> like it was all steam and tear gas. Yeah, Jesus. and and then Teddy himself. I mean, Tevis. Uh, also, he was gassed. He got his, I mean, was kind of, Was he not gassed? Did he stage it? Was it staged? I mean, he stood in the gas for a little minute. I actually give him some props. Like, he stood in the gas for a hot minute with that little, like, you know, N95 on. But um, <laughs> I'll be real, like, he just did it to get the attention. I think he was yeah. trying to, like, run for senator or something. So he was like, you know, yeah, I'm going to be the first mayor to get tear gassed by the feds, you know, and then, like, I'll, I'll run as like a, ju a, a justice warrior, but it kind of didn't work. So yeah. you got, cool got gas once. It's like, all right, I've had my fun. We were all put like, everyone yeah. in jail now. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a great exactly. mayor, guys. Eric, what was that like for you? I mean, you've been studying like white nationalist movements uh, around the country for so many years, and also in the Pacific Northwest, and to have all eyes on this moment that was so polarized, so misunderstood. Um, yeah, what was your experience? Yeah, we, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard for people to accept that things have changed, right, mm -hmm. in our society. And, you know, I want to give credit to folks for, you know, the last three, four decades who have been telling us just that. Not just about the white nationalist movement, but that white supremacy is coming to an end, right? Mm -hmm. it is, it's inevitable, right? And it uh, doesn't mean we should be less urgent. And so I think over these last uh, decades, but particularly over these last four years, we saw the unfolding of a political nightmare that many of us had been uh, uh, warning about and trying to prepare a, a response. Look, there are two fights happening right now. This is a three-sided struggle, right? It is around the democracy that primarily black folks and the resistance of indigenous people have built in this country, right? And we are trying to defend uh, the vestiges of that democracy and push forward to the society we say we want. And on the other hand, we're in a struggle with folks who have backlashed against that, right? That is not what they believe. They believe in a world of exclusion, right? And they can only achieve that through ethnic cleansing. And they've been practicing that on the streets of Portland uh, for four or five years uh, without any response, yeah. except from community activists, right? In a racial justice movement that has come to realize we are not the only social movement on the field. That's what's happening in Portland, but it's actually happening around the country we just happen to be the stage. I think yeah. that there's a, yeah. th there's a, I mean, the other thing is like Antifa has been thrown into like, you know, national view, right? As if like organizers haven't been counter protesting these na white nationalists for decades and, you know, and been there. Um, anyway, I, I think it's probably one of the more misunderstood parts of all this. But one thing that isn't misunderstood is whose side the police are on. And we know, as we saw only a week ago, when Proud Boys were roaming the streets here, open firing, uh, you know, on, on the, in broad daylight, that 
The only time the cops don't want to intervene in a situation is if white supremacists are involved. Like yeah. every other situation. They come to rap they, shows. What? They come to rap shows. So I'm like, you know. <laughs> right. Exactly. But if you if you had like a, you know, I don't know, a, an oath keeper on the mic, they'd be like, nah, we're cool. That's eh, fine. It'll be good. Um, but have you seen any change in posture from the the Portland Police Department in this year? Or are, are there any openings? I know we're from... LA and BLM LA has been incredible in terms of getting actual change, um, you know, uh, uh, getting a new DA in office. What has been sort of the lasting impact of the uprising for, for Portland? It's, it's, it's kind of funny for us, I think, because for us, like, it's like we didn't actually like uh, defund the cops, uh, but the cops are acting like we did. So, right. so like a bunch of them like retired. And now, like, a bunch of them are going to quit because they don't want to get vaccinated. So they're going to quit their police jobs. And we're like, that, that's all it took? <laughs> Should have had a pandemic here last year. But, um, yeah, so, 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 so all the cops are quitting. So they're like, we don't have any cops. What are we going to do? The city's falling apart. So that's kind of where we are. So um, the cops still have all the money, but they're not going anywhere. They're just kind of sitting in the thing, like, maybe the state can help us or the feds. You know, so is that their excuse for not intervening and not? I know that recently there was, you know, the the police department put out a statement that was like, we're not gonna get in between any kind of white white supremacist organizations and anyone who's counter protest. So That's not our job last Sunday we had a protest for Kevin Peterson Jr. across the river in Vancouver, and the cops like were everywhere. There was like 40 cop cars, and there was like 150 people with signs and little kids and stuff like rapping, and there was like cops everywhere. So. Seems, and they were like, yeah, we're actually quirking for the parade after, after the white supremacists didn't show up because they were beating people up in park rows again, which didn't even make the news. So it was just like, and the cops were hands off. So, you know, it's like, it's always just the optics game out here. It's all, it's all that Portland is really about is optics and branding. So all the issues that we have just get like rebranded. Like Terry Wheeler was like, oh, I'm going to get tear gas. And he was like, that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. I've never had that happen. I've climbed Mount Everest and this was terrible. And then, and then, and then after that, like, a he Sherpa was like, help me to the top, but I tipped real good. I get $20. Uh, and then as soon as the feds left, he's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to gas you guys, but this isn't tear gas. This is actually OC gas. It's different. Like it's just, it's a rebranded tear gas, bro. Like it's the same shit. So that's really all does that Ted ever does. Is he scared at all for like, is he's he terrified. Like, Have you ever seen that guy? <laughs> no. Catch him in a restaurant. Watch him squeal, bro. It's crazy. <laughs> um, uh, Eric, I wanted to ask you, like, why, why Portland? Why are some of the? I know that there's a history here of of white nationalists and white supremacist movements, but why now? Um, there, a, a few years ago, it was Berkeley because that's the free speech city, right? And like, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos is there. But yeah, can you tell us more about why Portland? Yeah. I mean, uh, Portland was the perfect stage uh, for this. You had a you had the demographics of this region, right? Uh, uh, folks need to hold this right. The black population for the state of Oregon is 1.9%, right? But uh, as we know, right, hate crimes that have, I think, risen 60%, 59% uh, uh, last year, right? Uh, but let's remember this, 33%, right? A third of the victims are black, right? Even though, we're only 1.9% of the population. The truth is this, right? Uh, I, I tell this story often. Uh, 
I learned it from a white nationalist, right, who was sitting in one of these demonstrations and whole political theater that was going on in the street. Everyone out, came out and did their performance, right? Uh, and this white nationalist was getting harangued by this guy who was uh, demanding that he tell him why he was here. And the white nationalist said, you know, yeah, look, I know uh, we here were not wanted. But in fact, the city of Portland is one of the only places with a shrinking black population by both percentage and a whole number. So you can say you don't want us here, but you're doing something we can never get away with. You're disappearing the black population of Portland, Oregon. That was his response. And each day we prove that right, right? Not just on the streets when we use bad tactics, right? Not just in narrative when we paint pictures of a world that actually no one wants to live in. I don't want to live in a world where we throw shade at people and make fun of them on the internet. I don't want to live in a world where we demand like purest politics. The world is complicated, right? And what allows the white nationalist movement to get away with what it gets away with every day is the lasting legacy of white supremacy, right? That's what we see every day when people try to repress, right? Black Lives Matters activists, right? And others on the streets, law enforcement, paramilitaries. But we also have to understand, right? It's also our attitudes, right? If we are going to be an alternative to the white nationalist vision of America, it's not the status quo, but it's not a future, right? Where we make people feel like they don't have a place. And that's a big challenge for us, right? And that's why we have to get serious. Look, I'm here to tell folks, as someone who spent time with white nationalists, right? As a person who is organized against the white nationalist movement, we need to understand, right? We are in a very precarious moment about this country and we need to get real. And it doesn't just get solved in the streets and it doesn't just get solved by law enforcement. We have to take ourselves seriously. It gets solved by podcasts, That's right? right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Drink more Portland beer, too. This podcast. Yes, Francesca, Sorry. this podcast will solve all the problems. That's... Thank you. Uh, no, I, I... I'm not going to preach. No, yes, I please. Preach no, you, please. I'm really trying to get on that Joe Rogan. No. <laughs> Just another parasite. Yeah. <laughs> that he's going to spit out uh, or shit out, whatever, whatever ivermectin does. Uh, no, I think that's really, this is such an aside, but for me, like, even like the census data that just came out that was like, white people are in decline. It's like, no, they're not. They're actually not. There are more white people than there were in 2010 if you count people who are mixed race, right? Like, your white people aren't going away. They're setting up franchises, all right? Yeah. Like, that's all it is. But that's not the way race and racism work. It's a one-drop rule yeah. only in favor of white people, right? Like, it's such bullshit. Um, yeah. Or, or only only to, to make, you know, white the white population appear to be smaller and appear right. like the only thing that counts is a pure, so-called pure race. Well, that's why, I mean, I try to, you know, like, change the narrative. So I, I'd say to you all the time that you're white. That's yeah. what I do. I go, don't worry, babe. You're white. Thanks. Thanks, sweetie. <laughs> she loves it. She's yeah, Chinese exact. in the town. Chinese, That's right. Thank you for remembering, I, sir. I someone knows your exact ethnicity. Sitting, drinking a beer on Chinese, Chinese Italian. Italian. Some guy was right in the front row pointing at me. I feel like that was uh, a no, I memorize everyone's race. <laughs> Hell yeah, sir. I love it. I know you. your exact breakdown. What's what's Matt? What am I? Okay, yeah, I no don't know. It's as far as it goes. Jew. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to. 
Jew. Uh, speaking of Jews, uh, I, I've just, uh, I have just—I have a question for, for you, uh, Eric, about uh, this. You wrote this fantastic piece uh, a, a few years back called "Skin in the Game," uh, which was—it was the first time. If you haven't read it, it's fantastic. It was the first time that I'd uh, seen kind of like the the breakdown of how the white nationalist movement at its core has this this everlasting anti-Semitic demon that just lives in it and and it how it just kind of permeates throughout all of the the, the rest of the racism, right? It's like just kind of, uh, it's just at its theoretical center is hating this nebulous term of the Jew. And I've, and I'd never, I'd never seen that before. It's just kind of like uh, how it was broken down. Can you like go into more about where anti-Semitism actually fits into, um, you know, fights against anti-blackness and, and uh, yeah. racism? I mean, anti-Semitism has been around the United States, but this particular form of anti-Semitism starts in the 1960s. Right? Yeah. And it's because white supremacy gets its ass kicked, right? By uh, my grandparents and uh, others out here. Uh, uh, who struggle. And so imagine, though, you believe black people are inferior. Mm -hmm. You're never going to accept that you lost to black people, right? right? And so uh, particularly your most uh, significant political defeat. So you have to come up with another theory. And they borrow from Europe, and they borrow from the anti-Semitic writings of, of Henry Ford, and they rescripted a narrative, right, yeah. that allowed them to hold that white superiority in place. And what they said is we didn't lose the black people, right, because that's impossible in their eyes. They lost to Jews. And so Jews became like the nefarious center for like every wrong, right? A one-stop shop, right? Jews as communists, Jews as capitalists, right? Mm -hmm. Jews as this and that. But it's a constructed narrative that like simplifies, right? And yeah. others, it creates uh, this side or that side, right? It doesn't speak to any answers. I mean, the truth is, right? The civil rights movement has delivered, uh, and I was about to drop an F-bomb, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> Feel free. Uh, 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 We're among we'll friends. We'll get there. We're, it's early. But um, <laughs> uh, the civil rights movement, right, has delivered more for white people mm. in America than the white nationalist movement or white supremacy ever has, right, right. except the illusion, sure. right, of being something better. And so the truth is, right, the white nationalist movement has to blame someone, yeah. and it's never going to be marginalized communities thus anti-Semitism. And it's why we have to take anti-Semitism seriously. Mm. It doesn't just kill Jews. It kills us, too. Damn. It's, it's like incredibly anti-black also to be like, no, the civil rights movement didn't That's do right. it. It had to be somebody else. That's right. Yeah. Like, the, this wasn't African-Americans uh, on their own, like, taking time off of work, struggling, you know, uh, putting their bodies <laughs> in line, dying. Uh, it was somebody else. What do you mean? I think maybe some people will take that for granted. What you mean that the civil rights movement did more for white people? Uh, you know, obviously, we affirmative we, action. Okay, yeah. Right. Uh, welfare programs. Right. The Great Society. Yeah. Right. F folks forget there. You know, there was this uh, back in. The, now I'm old. Right. I'm gonna date myself. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna start talking about Nirvana concerts. But um, that is not me. Back in the uh, uh, '90s, there was uh, affirmative action. Uh, uh, the a bill, the Kill Affirmative Action, it was a ballot initiative. And white folks came out in mass and overturned affirmative action uh, in Washington state. But, but here's the secret, right? White people benefited from affirmative action more than any other grouping wow. in Washington state. Why? They're the majority of veterans, the majority of people over the age of 55, right? Majority of people with disabilities, right? 
And those are the folks who are discriminated against in employment, right? Yeah. So the civil rights movement has delivered lots of things for white folks, but that's not a convenient organizing, right? When you are trying to like hold on to inequality. You yeah. have to tell white people they're losing. They're not losing, they're getting the best of a the world. They're getting to be human. That's what it means, right? To live in an inclusive democracy. Yeah. Damn. Mm. Um. Tell it. Or you could just blame the Jews, you know, whatever you want to do. Yeah. It's simpler. Uh, yeah, it's simple. I did it. That's what I say to every white nationalist. Um, Mac, I wanted to ask you about some of the defund the police language that is like, you know, in a year's time has become the arch nemesis of a lot of Democrats even, right? You know, you got Cory Booker, Senator Cory Booker up there being like, nobody wants to defund the police. And he's being so you know, just like ridiculous about it. And he's trying to pander to the right. But I think a lot of Democrats have, you know, uh, looked at that slogan and demonized it as the reason why somehow, I don't know, Biden didn't win by more, which we've gone into is utter bullshit. But like, where do you, where do you see the fight ahead? Because it feels like this hasn't been taken up at the federal level in the way that it, it needs to at this point. Well, you know, I think it's kind of like, it's kind of like Eric just said, you know, it's it's the it's the majority that takes the majority of the benefits from uh, civil rights and social activist movements, right? Yeah. And so with the Democrats, the Dem you know, like we talk about the Republicans, they're like nuts, right? So it's cool, but um, the Democrats are like their own issue because what the Democrats do is they feed and latch onto social uh, justice movements, and they get the things that they want out of it, and then they abandon it. So on the streets we were all yelling, abolish the police, like burn the precinct down, like fuck the cops, like we're all the way there. And the Democrats are like, yeah, we support them. But Cory Booker's like, oh, I wanna be Obama really bad, so I'm gonna say, don't say that, because Obama said that, you know? And so it's like, okay, I got you, you take your marching orders, you do what you gotta do. You know, and the Democrats are gonna do that. We have to understand that. And that's why a lot of people are like, just fuck the whole thing, we'll burn it all down. Because we know what it is, it's like a game, like they're just trying to get the benefit out of it. Like if, if you're starving and I'm starving and you're like, I need food. And you're like, you know, I'm like, you know what? Let's get you some food. And I beg like somebody for food because you're starving. And then I eat like all of it and give you like a couple bites. Like you're small, it's fine. So like, you know, like at that point, am I really even doing a good job or am I just a leech? Yeah. You know, I'm just a nonprofit at this point, you know? So it's like, <laughs> it's like the demo, it's like, it's like, you know, yeah. it's real work being dumb, but it's not the people who you see on TV. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there, there's also no one in mainstream media making the case that defund the police is arguably an incredibly tame ask, right? Like yeah. it is. And Can it you is, please take some money away of the budget? No, we'll gas you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. We could say abolish, but we've decided to say defund and refund so many other things. Um, I wanted, Eric, this is a random, also a random question, but like, why are white nationalists reaching out to, I think you see some faces of Proud Voice who are like Latino. Asian um, and and like even African American, like there there's a white nationalist that's like reaching out to people of color. How do you square that? Is it does it go back to anti-Semitism? And I'm not necessarily pointing at Matt for any reason. <laughs> so go back to hating this motherfucker, right? Yeah, yeah. It's look. I mean, it's it's a layered conversation. But but here's the thing to to understand, right? Uh, uh, hate groups don't come into our towns bringing uh, anti-Semitism or racism, Islamophobia, uh, or uh, even misogyny, Texas, right? Uh, 
Texas. <laughs> they come uh, into communities exploiting the bigotry and the divisions that already exist, right? So the first thing we have to understand is that largely, right, people are coming from out of the community, right? But there is a core here, right, who are taking advantage of the bigotry that already exists. There is another reason, though, right? We should understand that authoritarianism right, is the kind of momentum of the day, right? It is the way that the wind is blowing for a lot of people, and it's because, not because people are ideological, but because there's so much change happening in society that you can't but help to feel anxiety, right? But if you don't have a place to anchor yourself, you're gonna go to the place, right, where you feel there is the strongest anchor. And so people are falling that way because there's no alternative, including people of color, right? Mm. And the thing you do have to remember, right, is race is made up. We forget that, right? Race is a social construct, not a biological construct. So what was white 50 years ago isn't what's white today, and it's not what's gonna be white 10 years ago, right? Because it is an ideology. It's a way of, of seeing the world. And that's why you see people of color in it. But the piece we won't get into, but I hope someone invites me to speak to it, Someday we got to talk about the failure of the racial justice movement and the left around this. Mm. Because we have also made mistakes that have opened up big spaces around this, mm. yeah. right? And until we come to terms with those things, right? And people are going to get mad at me, right? But we just have to be much more strategic about the world we say we are building mm. rather than the world we say we're fighting, right? Mm. And uh, anyone can adopt white supremacy as a philosophy without even knowing it. It's the condition of our society. And I think we replicate too many of those traits each and every day, mm. right? And there's no alternative to it. And that's why those folks of color are joining that anchor. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. My, my mentor, Max Elbaum, often speaks to the, you know, the 84 Rainbow Coalition from Jesse Jackson and, and how that was this, yeah, multiracial, anti-racist uh, movement, political movement that, we're kind of, you know, we struggle to get back to something like that that could actually win, of course. Um, but I wanted final thoughts on this from both of you about this administration, the Biden administration, especially considering what happened on January 6th. I'm sure, Eric, you got a dollar for every insurrectionist that uh, showed up to be like, I was right, I was right, I was right. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> that must have been an interesting day for you. But but how do you see this administration taking that up? Are they taking white nationalism seriously? Um, and should they be treating this like the terrorist threat that they treat Muslims, you know, with? Which, in my opinion, I'm like, well, we the war on terror was fucking ridiculous. Cohen's bad. Like the FBI going after these people isn't always good. But again, that's not necessarily what the FBI was intended to do. I don't know, just, yeah, thoughts from both. I mean, what are they gonna do? It's, 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 it's a them, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like, if you were out there, you know that like the, feder the feds are the ones who were out there uh, doing the most violence. They were the ones who pushed this the hardest. And yes, Biden's in power now, but did he fire everybody? No, they're still there. It's still the same military, still the same DHS, still the same people. Those same people in the DHS that worked there then, who, uh, um, who we tracked last year, are still working there now. They were still tracking them. Yeah. So we know who these people are. They're still here. It's the same people that, that, that greenlit the same stuff. They're still in the city. They're still in the feds. They're still in the state. So there's not going to be a response from Biden because Biden's response is, oh, that wasn't me. That was Trump. Yeah. So 
this is a new America now. We're going, I don't even know his slogan, he's so unpopular. Um, but, you know, it's like, what is this, corn pop? I don't know what the slogan is. <laughs> but, you know, it's like. It should be, it it's, should it's be like, corn pop. It's like, what's he it's gonna, it's like, what's he gonna do? He has to say, well, if all things are equal, and that's like the greatest thing, like America, that's like America's greatest sinkhole, if all things are equal, but they're not. Right, so we say, oh yeah, we have to look at the left too. No, we don't. All things are unequal, so we really don't have to. We we have to blame some some black people too. There are a lot of them in poverty. It's not our fault, bro. <laughs> I'm like fuck all that, bro. Like like, like for real. Like, like to me, that's like a that's like a bunch of like you know, that's a bunch of like oh we have to appease the white guy. No, we don't. Yeah. Ted Wheeler, Joe Biden, that dude in California, the uh, senator, not the uh, mayor or, or the governor. I don't really like him either, but don't we call him? Devin Nunes. No, all all of them, the, 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 the really old one, the really old, is it Sh oh, Schumer? Oh, Dianne Feinstein? Dianne, the same person, Feinstein, oh, Schumer, Feinstein, same person, yeah. yeah. Exactly. They are the same person. They're the same person. Backward. It's like that you know? photo where you're like, is it an old woman or a young man? Like, you know, <laughs> like, you know a young woman like that. I often Dianne say, like, is the dress yellow or is it blue? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's Dianne Feinstein. Cool. <laughs> I feel like a Ted Wheeler is like a Chuck Schumer like 30 years ago. Yeah. Like, I bet you they did the exact same shit. Like, yeah. I, there's no way they didn't. Like, and that's the kind of people that are always end up in charge because they always get along with everybody enough and they and they push just enough white supremacy to keep us in the same situation we're always in. Yeah. Uh, not, not to mention the number of former police officers uh, and mil former military and current active military who were in the, at the Capitol on January 6th. I mean, we have a police um, activist uh, group in Portland here, the IPAC, that was started by cops. And they're on it now. And it's like, well, this is supposed to be an activism group. They're like, oh, well, you guys are doing anti-cop stuff. I think this is a bad idea. I'm like, it's, it's like, what? Mm. How can you do a piece of accountability with the cops there? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, that's the way that it is in Portland. I'm sure it's the, it's the same way in the White House. Because Portland is a microcosm of everything you know, in, in the U.S. That's just the way it is. Like, that's why I find it so fascinating here. Because Portland is literally, a, everything that happens in Portland happens on a national scale like two or three years later. That's why the insurrections on January 6th, I was like, oh, yeah, we've been doing that for years. Yeah. Oh yeah, paintball guns and shit. Yep, yep, yep. Like it's, it's nothing new. Like we're so used to that. Like like people have this shit in their trunk. I have I have vests in my trunk right now. Who's got vests in their trunk right now? I mean that's like some real shit. Like that's just that's just how we are, you know. So the rest of the country's kind of just catching up, but like the shit's not getting better. Yeah. Look, here's what we have to know. We are in a moment right now in Portland, Oregon, right, where a great decision will be made, and. Uh, we can spend our time making fun of a mayor, right? We can spend our time uh, uh, trying to project uh, what we want to think. But I think the real issue is uh, why does town only fucking have three people who ran for mayor? And what's wrong in this society, right? And you have three people uh, who ran for mayor. And I, I want to be clear about something, right? It doesn't mean, right, that the status quo works. Everyone is telling you almost across the political spectrum that the status quo isn't working for them. And it doesn't matter whether it's uh, uh, perception or real, because I don't care if I perceive I'm about to stumble off this stage or I'm really stumbling off the stage, I'm gonna respond in the same exact way, right? And so we have to understand everyone feels like they're falling right now. And uh, when people fall or they feel like they're drowning, they take really extreme measures. And so, look, people say, like, do you, do you, Eric, I've seen you hashtag to fund police, but, you know, uh, why would you do that? And my sense is, is, until we come up with an alternative solution that works, right, that is the solution that's on the table. Mm. And when you have law enforcement that allows the harassment, right, 
of people protesting on the streets of Portland, Oregon, right? When still too many people are going to sleep hungry, right? Going to sleep without hope, right? We have to build a better society. So at the end of the day, right, here's what I think. I hope everyone in this audience gets really serious, right? And understand, you may have wondered what you would have done in the midst of the 1960s civil rights movement. And the truth is, is you're gonna find out when you walk out of this podcast tonight, right? Exactly what you do after this is exactly what you would have done in 1968. Mm. So make it count, right? And don't just be a performer on the street, right? This is about building the society we say we want. And that only happens if we get into communities and now I'm preaching again, right? But there is a difference, right? And I'm gonna give everybody a chance to boo me too, right? Um, because this is a message to my friends too. And we can have this conversation some other time. But we gotta get serious if we're talking about organizing and building community. That takes real investment. That's not driving nine miles across town to put other people in chaos who don't even know what's happening, right? That's vanguardism. And vanguardism needs to be put to bed. What we need are real democracy builders, right? And that's what we saw with Black Lives Matters on the streets of Portland and across this country. And that's what we're gonna see with women, right? Who have understood that this entire backlash in this country has been about the hatred of women. Racism is about misogyny. Homophobia is about misogyny. Economic inequality is about misogyny. And this is our moment to get it right. So let's back up Texas and let's take care of our own community. This isn't one city fight. This is a fight for the country. It is the society we say we want in this world. Okay, I'm done. I just got a new bar though. It's about misogyny. I like that. I'm going to start using that. Ted Wheeler is about misogyny. <laughs> Just one more time for Ted Wheeler. A little dunk. Uh, all right, we got to move on to our final segment, but just a round of applause for Mac and Eric for sharing. Yes. Thank you. Thank you guys for your work. And uh, also a shout out to the chat. There's about 400 people watching live. So a uh, shout out. What up? How you doing? Good to, good to have you. We've got one more segment. Okay, so I don't know if you guys saw that Eric Clapton has a new song out. <laughs> Very important song. A little weird if you watch the music video a little too carefully. Um, it turns out Eric Clapton is a, an anti-vaxxer. He's an anti-masker. He doesn't want lockdowns. He's basically like he won't perform at shows where the vaccine cards are being checked. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it, it, uh, I know every, how, how every, much yeah, everyone loves know? Clapton in this room and how he never did anything weird, slept with Cheryl Crow, super weird, that like, you know, change your opinion about him. The point is, is we believe that most of your idols, especially music idols, are probably going to get red-pilled in like the next 10 it's years. It's going to happen. They're all going to become reactionary. Uh, let's watch a little bit of the video, but this is... Uh, my future fallen idol. All right, creepy clown music, and let's see if I can bring this guy up. Oh, here we go. So, this is 
around. Oh, this is like an early Adbusters. Uh, if, if you so couldn't tell, it's a, it's a little bit subtle, but the TV was hypnotizing you. Here's you, uh, you're all the sun's got to stop. Enough is enough. Okay. This has got to stop. Enough is enough. We're going to scrub through this. Okay, here we go. Here's man. This is telling. Oh, oh, I love the swirl eyes. We, we got silhouettes with swirl eyes. Those must be sheep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. These are the sheeple. Those are the sheep who get fucking masks on. <laughs> Good one. Good one. The lowest bar for sheep. Okay, at about a minute in, you've got Liberty. Why people is holding people signs. <laughs> they say Liberty, enough is enough. What is this guy's sign? Is this is this Chinese characters or just buildings? What is that? That's just like oh, the back seat. No, those. Those are definitely the, the Twin Towers and 9/11. That's all. Okay, here's the evil puppet master. Wait, wait, wait. We got. Wait, wait. We got to go back to this. You'll have to come and break down this door. So that is anti-Semitic. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. 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 This guy's definitely been on the 4chan. The puppet master? The puppet mask? Come on. First of all, I do that all the time. My favorite thing. Long, long time. I've seen it all, and I'm used to it. Okay, I'm scrubbing. Oh, yeah, evil eyes, uh, the justice scales. I mean, this is... Oh, boy. Remember when Clapton didn't suck? You guys are like, no. Look at how Adbusters this is. <laughs> yeah. Look at how Adbusters this is. I used to have like little statues of him, like in the early 2000s. Okay. Eyes are being controlled by your phone. Yes, his kid did fall out a window. That sucked. <laughs> There's someone in the audience reminding us. Okay, how do we know it's an anti-vax, anti-lockdown? It's coming. This guy's in a sunken place, clearly. Feathers. At this point, it just looks like it's against phones. That's mostly what it is. Okay, so Jam for Freedom apparently was I, like a I concert. I think Eric Clapton's been in Oregon, uh, uh, sampling <laughs> some of Oregon's finest shrooms. Oh, for That's sure. What's going on here? Whoever drew this was, but this is apparently Jam for Freedom, wow. which was like a UK concert for artists who were like against lockdown. So that was kind of like, ah, there's always like a moment. And you're like, oh, there we go. I don't want to play the whole thing because, again, copyright strike and fuck YouTube, but uh -huh. um, uh, yay. <laughs> well, we all can agree. Great song. Great song. Just re really slaps. I love the part where he's just like, we got to stop this. <laughs> like, this has got to stop. Yeah. Why is this happening to us? Like, he doesn't even believe it. He's just, he got a lyric sheet and he's like, I don't want to read this. <laughs> He's not into it. Um, I feel like there, if there were other Clapton songs that were like anti-vax, it'd be like, Layla, <laughs> don't jab that in your arm, Layla. Yeah. You know? yeah. like, don't get a vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but who do you guys think that you like now, who seems like chill now, but like definitely soon, if not already, has become... Uh, Red pilled or like has become reactionary. Yeah, who will? I actually know a lot of people who've been uh, red pilled that didn't expect. So it's it's who's that? It happens. I don't want to talk about them on TV. You know? okay. Put them on blast. I know them in real life. You told life. me before the show about somebody, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, they've been. You know, they know me in real life. 
kids. Oh. Uh, but um, you know who I think probably will is uh, is uh, Andre Benjamin. Yeah, yeah. I think Andre 3000 will probably. Oh, yes. uh, really? You think Andre? I don't even look at his stuff online because I'm afraid. Like, if it'll happen to Badu, it can happen to you. You know, it's like it's one of those things. He's going to sing an you unironic. Sorry, I'm trying to do hey, not, hey, yeah, but cute. Oh, is that what that was? I was just thinking he sings like, he's he sings bongs, uh, bombs over Baghdad, but means it. Like, he's, he's just decided, no, actually, I think that's a good thing. We should. Oh, man. Um, uh, Eric? I'm scared to answer this question. Actually, Why? Right now. Uh, uh, I feel like I'm going to mess this up because uh, this is going to come back to haunt me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's already dead. Look, 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 here we go. Uh, it's also going to date me. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah, I'm going to yeah. put it this way. So Iron Maiden, if, if you're out there listening right now, <laughs> uh, uh, don't take the red pill. <laughs> don't take the red pill because it, it would actually uh, break my heart and it would mess up like my most fascinating idea for a, a hip hop sample. So so hang in there for at least five years. Yeah, Iron Maiden? Yeah, yeah. Iron Maiden. Yeah. Okay. Right? Iron Maiden. But, this is a metal town. It's old metal. It, you, think, what, you think it's possible that Iron Maiden could get red-pilled? Like that's something that just could happen? I don't like to think about it. I don't like to think about it either. Is There's Iron no Maiden a single person? I really if, have no idea. If people start going after their name, you know, like, um, why? it's less actually sexist. It's like a woman ironing. Like, uh, it shouldn't be a maiden. Yeah. It should be, oh, like, it should be a fierce yeah. badass Canceled. woman and they're yeah. like oh. it's problematic to do torture devices as a band name and then he's just they're just like oh red pill immediately they go on road in person exactly it shouldn't That's be made right. it should be person uh i'm afraid that my love cardi b will somehow no turn yeah no I know. coronavirus she's, she's, we hope not she's a bernie babe for sure but i'm like maybe you know like it could happen like, yeah yeah like you know, these is red pills. These is bloody shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I have a few. I didn't hear that, but I agree with you. Yeah. you Hell said. yeah! Whatever you said Hell was yeah. great. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Guys, this is like a live comment section. I love this. <laughs> I think you've reached 140 characters, dude. Uh, but that's <laughs> that is very cool. Yeah, I we we love. Was, but you. if you want to yell at cops though. later, holler at me. Yeah. You want to yell at cops yeah, later, holler yeah. at me. For real though, everything you said. Matt, what do you think? Matt's got a lot. Of I have ideas. a few. I have a few. First, uh, I think it's possible Alanis Morissette. It's possible. Two, two, two genders. Like it could happen. All of a sudden, she's into that she'll shit. Be, yeah, uh -huh. she'll, she'll be radicalized around yeah. uh, around trans people. I, yeah, that's what you're saying. I could see. T Atlanta's could be a turf. It's totally possible. Yeah, I could see that. It's t totally possible. I also think um, Jewel. I want to do this. I one. could see Jewel becomes uh, anti-Semitic. What's, what's Jewel the line again? It's these. Jewish banks are tearing <laughs> me apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I could see Simon and Garfunkel becoming Pizzagate. Like a kid under Comet Ping Pong. 
I will drink their blood. <laughs> like, you know, I could see that. <laughs> Those are great. Finally, and Metallica will definitely get red pilled oh, if they sure. haven't been around. That's, yeah. Metallica's gone. <laughs> and all lives matter. Like, you know, that's going to happen for sure. Sorry, RIP I to feel like this should have ended on a happier note I'm than sorry. destroying all of the bands we like. Um, I got Radiohead next. Just going to keep going. Radiohead becomes Q. That's what's going to happen. I'm a Q. I'm a patriot. Where we go one, we go all. Epstein was murdered. You know? <laughs> all right. You guys, that does it for the Mituation Room. Give yourselves a Give yourselves a round. from my home uh, of 580 Eastern on Sundays. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Watch live on YouTube at Franny Fio. Uh, shout out to all the people in the chat who gave super chats. Love y'all. Uh, and remember, uh, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be, Be about it! Love y'all! Good night!